1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 19. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesies, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. I want to preach on verse number 19. Other verses will kind of tie in a little bit later, but using 19 as our key text. Quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for allowing us to be in the house of God. I thank you for answered prayer, for touching and healing. God, for... Uh, uh, allowing us to be in the house of God. Some, Lord, you've recovered from surgery. Other, you've gotten well from sickness. And, Lord, some of us, you've just kept uh, uh, kept it all from us altogether. And, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in saving souls. God, changing lives. And I pray, God, for uh, the days to come that you'll continue to do even greater. Thank you for bringing Brother Talbert this morning. I do ask you for complete healing, the miraculous, oh God, where the man of God is concerned. I thank you, Lord God, for having us here tonight. The Word of God, the Holy Ghost, I pray you'll speak to us. Quicken our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Meet every need through Christ by His riches. God, don't let us leave like we came in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? We read our text, and it is really taken as a a rebuke, if you will, to individuals in the in the church at Thessalonica who had allowed the spirit of God to be extinguished, smothered, or quenched in their heart. Uh, some people have misinterpreted this verse to mean that you can quench or extinguish the person of the Holy Ghost, I can assure you, He is an unquenchable fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And if He could be put out, Satan would have put Him out a long time ago. But nothing this world does, nothing any government power, nothing all the powers and the principalities of hell have ever uh, tried to do, have been successful in quenching the power of God's Holy Ghost. So that's not what he's talking about. But what he is talking about is you can quench the fire of the Holy Ghost in your heart. Not quenching the Holy Ghost, but you can quench the fire of the Holy Ghost in your heart. And so rather... The fire he kindles within our heart and the desire to love God and man, it can be smothered, it can be quenched, it can be put out. And he's warning us against that. I want to talk about three things tonight. Hell's purpose in quenching the spirit. Hell's purpose in quenching the spirit. Number two, 
humanity's prerogative or privilege or right to quench the Spirit. God forces himself on no man. Number three, heaven's preventive measure from quenching the Spirit. Heaven's preventive measure from quenching the Spirit. Let's look at them together tonight. Number one, hell's purpose for quenching the Spirit. Again in verse 19, quench not the Spirit. Behind every instance of the quenching of the Spirit is the devil himself. I don't know how many of you have ever read uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. If you've never read that, it's a wonderful story. It's a narrative uh, based uh, completely off the Bible. It is a fiction novel, but though it's a fiction novel, it is based off of the Bible. And uh, John Bunyan wrote it for a teaching tool and a discipleship resource. And if you've never read it, get it. It's awesome. But in his uh, book, Pilgrim's Progress, he tells us that when the main character is Christian, that would be you and I as a born-again believer, the main character in the book is simply called Christian. When Christian arrived at the house of the interpreter, he was taken by the hand and led to a place where there was a fire burning against a wall. As he looked, he observed someone standing by it, and as the book reads, pouring much water upon it to quench it. And as they poured the water upon it to quench it, yet did the fire burn higher and hotter. When Christian asked the meaning of this, he was told that the fire is the work of grace wrought in the heart. That he who pours water upon it to extinguish it is the devil. But the reason why the fire is never put out is because there's yet another one on the other side of the wall who is pouring oil upon the same fire. And that is the Lord Jesus himself. So greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The same applies to gospel preaching. While the evangelist preaches the message or the pastor or the teacher or whoever it is giving the message, the Holy Ghost stirs people's hearts and souls. He's moving on the inside. On the other hand, the devil is working all the while to divert their mind, their thoughts, their attention, and to quench the fire of God's Word, while at the same time the Savior is fanning the flame. He's pouring the oil of the Holy Ghost upon every individual to keep the fire burning. Which one wins? is dependent upon you and I. You and I can stir up the gift of God that is in us. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Stir up in the Greek is one word. And it, and it literally meant to take a fire poker 
and to turn over the hot coals in a, in a fire that is waned low to let the air hit those coals so the flame can pick back up again and then you must stoke the flames with new fuel. You got to pray again. You got to dig deeper in God's word. You got to be faithful in church attendance. You, 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 you can't forsake the, the assembling of yourselves with other believers. You've got to worship God in spirit and in truth. You've got to stir up the Holy Ghost fire that He fills you with or He baptized you with. On the same hand, if you can stir it up, you can also put it out. You can put it out by simply ceasing to pray. Shun God's Word. Shun God's house, God's people, and the fire will wane low and the fire will go out. Before we go any further, though, it's important to show the way that the devil seeks to quench the fire of the Spirit in our heart. He sets his purpose to quench, number one, the revealing fire of God. In Acts 2 and and verse 3, when the Spirit descended at Pentecost, He came as tongues of fire. Tongues of fire sat upon each of them. Immediately the searching, probing, all-knowing nature of the Holy Ghost was at work at once in a man's heart and life when He sat upon him with cloven tongues as a fire. As the uh, scripture brings out in Acts 2 and 37, men and brethren, they cried, what shall we do? As that fire set upon men and the Holy Ghost began to move and to stir and to change the atmosphere, conviction set in upon the those that were watching, those that were nearby. You know the reason for the Holy Ghost at work is so that when unbelievers come in our midst and they see the Holy Ghost in action upon our lives so that they might say, surely of a truth God was in this place. That's what the New Testament teaches. That the Holy Ghost is poured out upon the believer and upon the church for the unbeliever. I don't need a sign. I don't need a sign to let me know God is in this place. But when the unbeliever sees the Holy Ghost moving upon your life, stirring, burning on the inside of you, they say of a truth God was in this place. Amen. He promised the gift of the Holy Ghost unto the believer. He said, I will pray the Father. He will send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He'll send him in my name. The devil hates when the Holy Ghost comes. For when he comes, he testifies of Christ. He convicts of sin. He deals with the human heart over their lost condition. The devil hates subjects like sin, guilt, shame, death, 
and hell, he'll do anything to quench the revealing fire of the Spirit. Numerous times when men of God have preached the gospel, I thought that they were preaching directly to me as the Holy Ghost fire and the flame of God's Word would reveal my own heart to me. Show me things about myself that I didn't know were hidden on the inside. Deal with me. Search me. Probe me with conviction. Numerous times I've had people come to me and say, you were talking to me, preacher. God was dealing with my heart. That is the reason hell tries to quench the spirit. He wants to quench the revealing fire of God. And just like he wanted to behead John the Baptist, whose preaching convicted Herod for having his brother's wife. And the wife of Herod's brother, when in conversation with the king, said, what would you have me to do? She said, I want his head. I don't want to hear preaching like that anymore. I don't want to hear preaching that's going to deal with the heart over our sinful condition. And so he was beheaded. Satan still desires to quench such preaching, to quench such revealing, to quench such probing, to quench such conviction. Did you know that it is a very unpopular thing today? You don't build a church by preaching a message that is going to grip hearts with conviction. That's at least how they teach it in the sem in the I was going to say the cemetery, but the seminary. That's not how you build a church. At least that's not how you build a big church by allowing men and women to feel conviction. But that is how you get people born again. That is how you see people's lives change. When they're convicted of sin, then they will repent of their sin and they will be born again. Amen. So hell desires to quench the revealing fire. He also desires to quench the consuming fire of God. Our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12 and 29, the work of the Holy Spirit is not only to reveal sin, but to consume sin. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Do you know the Bible said in 1 John chapter number 3, He that sinneth is of the devil. Woo! Man, I want to tell you, if you want to get a subject started on a job site, That'll just get some, some, some feathers ruffled up. My goodness. I can remember just work, you know, we'd work on that secular job and you working with guys all day long. And you're, the, you're the preacher or you're the Christian and subjects are going to come up. I don't know, Rev, or I don't know, preacher, what you think. You get to talking to them. Well, I can tell you what the Bible says. He that sinneth is of the devil. Man, I'm telling you, that just, that just 
takes it, you know, from zero to 60. Just, just that quick. You've got their attention. What he's talking about, if a man will live in willful sin and willful rebellion against God, and he don't have Jesus living in his heart. Amen. That's the devil at work in his life. But the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And if Jesus lives in your life, he's going to burn the devil's house down. I said he's going to burn the devil's house down. John the Baptist declared in his preaching that the one, he said, the one that cometh after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am unworthy to lose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. A person who is prepared to repent of his sin and to leave that wicked path for not only the searching, revealing work of the Spirit, but the consuming fire of the Spirit to live in his heart and in his life. Is there any reason to wonder why the devil hates the gospel and hates the power, the unction, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Is there any reason why it's okay to have a church? Please don't let it be a Pentecostal church. And if it's a Pentecostal church, let's make a mockery of it, a counterfeit of it. But let there not be real fire, real power. Third, we look at not only the revealing fire and the consuming fire, but then there's also the transforming fire. Of God. Thank God for it. Paul tells us that we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Listen to this. Are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah! Holy Ghost not only reveals and convicts you of sin. And then he baptizes you with the fire of God that destroys uh, the power of sin in your life. Uh, But then he uses the same Holy Ghost uh, as a transforming fire to make you like Christ. Hallelujah. To make you more like Jesus. When the Holy Ghost has come, he reveals Christ to us. It is the predestined will of God for you and I to be conformed to the image of God's Son. The Apostle Paul said it pleased God to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him to the heathens. You will become what you are constantly beholding. I said you will become what you constantly behold. That's why young people, your parents care about who you hang out with. Because you're going to become what you're always looking at. What you're always associating yourself with. If you're constantly watching filth, watching trash, you're going to take that on in your life. If you're constantly looking or watching, at the, at the latest fad or fashion before long, that's what you'll be wearing. Amen. 
I'm not saying that's always a bad thing. But when the when the trending fad and fashion is to go with no clothes, that can be a bad thing. If you put a, a, a poker into the fire for any length of time, that piece of metal becomes identified with the flame. You understand what I'm talking about? That flame will transform that iron. That iron takes on the same red hot glow as the fire. If you leave that iron in there long enough and get it hot enough, uh, the iron will catch fire and the fire will melt it. And you can put it into any kind of form, any kind of shape, any kind of fashion that you want to. And so the Holy Ghost changes us. Amen. In the fire of His Spirit. And from our own sinful nature, from the fallen nature of Adam unto the divine nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil can't tolerate people who bear the likeness of Jesus Christ. They were first called Christians in Antioch. They looked like Jesus. They walked like Jesus. They talked like Jesus. The apostles are preaching. They're laying hands on the sick. They're recovering. Blinded eyes are open. Deaf ears are unstopped. The dumb are speaking. The dead are being raised to life again. They put them in prison, beat them, told them never to speak in the Lord's name again. Peter answers them, whether it be lawful to obey man or to obey God, you judge for yourself, but if you let us out, we cannot help but to preach and to teach the things that we have seen and heard of Christ. The Bible said they spake with boldness so that the Sanhedrin, when they met, said, Where do these ignorant and unlearned men speak with such wisdom, with such power, authority, and boldness? And one stood up and said, they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. He's just saying, they're preaching the same way Jesus did. They're praying the same way Jesus did. And when they pray for other people, the same thing is happening for them that happened for Jesus. He's living in their heart and in their life. Hell can't stand it. Hell can't hardly tolerate it. I want to tell you, but don't don't uh, let a spirit of fear, like Sister Jennifer was talking about, bother you a whole lot about it. If you live for God, Brother Roy Drum used to always say, if God be for you, then the devil's against you. If you're, if you're having revival, the Holy Ghost is burning in your heart and you're a threat to the kingdom, then He's going to sick every demon power in hell on you. He's going to send, He's going to send every forward person your way to try to talk ugly to you. The job man's going to treat, or, or, or the, or, or the boss man on the job is going to treat you wrong. Something's going to happen to come against you. Why hell don't like fire? And I'm not talking about the fire that's in hell. I'm talking about Holy Ghost fire. He wants to quench it. He wants to put it out. 
Don't let that worry or bother you any. Because he's been trying for 2,000 years. He hasn't succeeded yet. Let's look at humanity's prerogative. It's man's privilege. It's man's right to be able to quench the spirit. God will force himself on nobody. Quench not the spirit. Although the Holy Spirit is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, it's possible for puny men and women to quench his work in their life. I've always stood in awe of that. God can do anything he wants. I've always stood in awe of a 200-pound individual that will let a one-year-old baby rule their life. Arch their back, squeal, pitch a fit, and will make that grown-up do anything they say or want. I thought to myself, that's not how that works. <laughs> that's not how that works. But God has limited himself as God, as our Father. He will force himself on no man, on no woman. I've had people, I'm not coming to that church. I don't want none of what you got jumping off on me. I said, you don't have to worry, honey. You don't want it. You could be in the middle of a thousand people shouting a victory. And if you don't want it, you'll leave in defeat. Hallelujah. I said you could be in the middle of a thousand people shouting a victory. And if you don't want God, you'll leave without him. Because he don't force himself on anybody. You have to yield to him. You have to invite him. You have to ask him. You have to let him. There are three ways in which the sinner can quench the Holy Ghost. Number one, a person can resist the Holy Ghost. Acts 7 and verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and in ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. That was Stephen's message to a group of men who had rejected Christ. He infuriated them to the point they gnashed upon him with their teeth. I've made some folk mad preaching. I ain't never had nobody want to bite me. But they did. They gnashed upon him with their teeth. It's almost as if they were demon-possessed. Like ravenous wild beasts. They gnashed upon that man. Amen. For preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, they were resisting. Stephen said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. This happened throughout the centuries. Hardly a service goes by where there has not been someone that has resisted the Spirit moving and working in their heart and in their life. They may cover it up with a hypocritical 
That's right. Preach it. Amen. I've known people. The reason I know because they were family members of mine that would come to this church. And I knew they were unsaved. I knew they were living in sin and fornication. I knew they were uh, uh, doing drugs. I'd preach. That's right. Preach it. Amen. I'd almost, if I wasn't wasn't nice, didn't want to embarrass them and humiliate them. I don't want to embarrass anybody, humiliate them, because I want them to come back. This is the right place for lost people to be in. Amen. I said this is the right place for lost people to be in. Even if you know somebody, not where they need to be with God, love them. Treat them good. Do them good. Amen. This is the right place for them to be. This is where you want them to be. Somebody said, I'm not going to church. Set by no hypocrite. If I'm born again, full of the Holy Ghost, uh, it don't matter to me if I go to church and set by a devil. This is the best place for them. I want them to come. But I knew they was lifting their hand, hollering amen. I've watched young people that I knew weren't living right, running from God, hiding from God in an altar service. How so? Instead of praying through Instead of getting in and praying through for themselves, they're in an altar service with 300 people and you start walking their way. You got your eye on them to pray for them. They put their hand on somebody else. Praying for somebody. Don't pray for them. Pray for yourself. There's a lot of ways I, I found out people will resist the Holy Ghost. But it's always happened. Always will. Why? Because God's still a gentleman. He's not making people get saved. He's not making people pray through. He's not making people receive. It's up to you and I. If you want it, God said the spirit and the bride say come. Whosoever will let him come and let him drink of the water of life freely. Isaiah prophesied and said, With joy shall they draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Glory. Number two, a person can despise the Holy Ghost. The writer to the Hebrews spelled out some solemn words when he said, Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Hebrews 10 and 29. This takes us a stage further in man's rebellious attitude toward God. It's possible for a person to respect Jesus. But the individual who despises The word of God. That takes it to a different level. The man or woman who despises the word or despises the word or despises the moving of the spirit has lost all respect. I was thinking this morning. 
about David worshiping God, dancing before the Lord with all of his might, bringing the ark home and Michael, Saul's daughter. You think about Saul, who was a man that cared more about the opinion of the people than God. He was a self-centered man, a carnal man, but one who had felt the anointing, one who had felt the Spirit, who prophesied with the prophets but got lost in power and in politics. He had become so full of the devil that when David would play his harp and sing under the anointing at Saul's own petition, David would play and sing and the Holy Ghost would move upon his life and float through his life. Saul would no doubt 